You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. My name is George Hinman. I'm the senior pastor. I wish you a happy Easter. Rick Elias got his life back to live all over again. The CEO of a marketing firm thought it was an ordinary day, an ordinary business trip, when all of a sudden there was a huge explosion, the cabin of the plane filled with smoke, and the engine started to sound like a jackhammer and then went silent. He could read the terror on the flight attendant's face. This was the end. He heard those three words that you never want to hear the airplane pilot say, brace for impact. And the plane started to turn, and with it, his life. It all changes in an instant. It's not that he was afraid to die. It's that he was sad, so sad. As he thought about the flight path that this plane was on as it was hurtling towards Earth, towards the Hudson River, He began to think about the flight path that his life was on. A relatively young man, he began to think about the priorities and the people and the experiences. And he didn't like what he saw. And so he was sad. Well, as it turned out, Rick Elias got his life back that day. He didn't, in fact, die because he was on flight 1549 U.S. Airways, which was captained by Sully Sullenberger, who unaccountably landed the plane on the Hudson River, clear, just barely cleared the George Washington Bridge and put the cl- plane down and saved everybody's life. In a TED Talk that Rick Elias gives about this experience and its effect on his life, he says this, I was given the gift of two miracles that day. The first was I survived. The second, I was given the gift to see into the future and to come back and live differently. It seems to me that that's what Easter is all about for us as well. It seems to me that you and I, as we gather and worship this morning, can receive that same gift to see into the future and to begin to live life differently. Easter is an opportunity for us to think about our lives, to think about what's important, what's really, really important to ourselves, and to ask the question, how do I like my flight path? 36 years after the very first Easter, an old man sat down at a desk to write a letter to a young man. The year was A.D. 67. The old man's name was, what we call him, St. Paul the Apostle. The young man was his closest friend and ministry partner, Timothy. Paul wrote Timothy on that day not to tell him that Christ is risen. He knew Timothy already knew that but to tell him why Easter matters today, how it can change a life. I want to invite you to read just one sentence from that letter, and if you'd pull out the uh, bulletin that you received when you came in this morning, you'll find this on page four, um, after the word sermon text, starting with the word remember. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. It's from that letter. 
And if you're able, I would invite you to stand with me and let's read this one sentence aloud together as God's word to us. And when we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. So that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully, you're reading his holy word. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel. And this is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. Please be seated. Remember Jesus Christ, Paul writes. Remember. Well, why remember? It's not, I think, that Timothy has a bad memory. It's not, I think, that Timothy would have forgotten that there was a man who ever lived named Jesus of Nazareth or that that man died on a cross for our sins or that that man was raised from the dead or that that man founded a movement of peace and justice that is transforming the world in which Timothy lives. I think Timothy remembers those things. But you see, the thing is that sometimes you and I can be going through some pain in our lives that is so acute, it causes us to forget. To forget the life that really is life. And it feels like our life is careening off course. This is what's happening for Paul and for Timothy. Paul, the apostle, at this moment, as he writes this, is in prison. He's chained. He's falsely accused. He's on death row. And Timothy, his closest friend and ministry partner, is likewise experiencing great pain in his life. Socially, he's increasingly isolated. He's a timid guy. He has trouble making friends. And his closest friend is dying. He's hurting professionally. Timothy has been appointed to pastor this a movement in a city called Ephesus, and they begin to, to fight with one another in the congregation. There's disputes that are emerging, and they begin to challenge his leadership. They're saying he's too young. He, is, he lacks the experience. He lacks the gravitas. He lacks the boldness of a leader for Jesus Christ. And then physically, right now, Timothy's in pain. His health is bad, and we, we know he had chronic illness. We don't know what that was, but we know that he frequently gets pain in his stomach that's so acute, it absolutely stops him. Just a week ago, a waitress in a local brew house said to some friends she was serving, you know, I'm just a shrew. And they said, oh, that's, that's, that's impossible. And she kind of meant it as a joke uh, at first. But, you know, she retrenched. And she said, no, that's who I am. I am a shrew. Because that's how I've learned to manage the garbage in my life. You know, I just treat people like a shoe. Shrew, I just sort of shut them out. And, you know, if that doesn't work, I just pull the covers up over my head and go to sleep. And she let on that her husband of 15 years was filing for divorce. And she has four children. And she didn't know what she was going to do with her life. She said, I've been in this relationship for 15 years, since I was 16 years old. I can't remember a time when I wasn't someone's girlfriend, someone's wife, someone's mother. I really think I've lost track of who I am without these things. She's forgetting. 
She's forgetting the life inside of her life. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, don't let that happen to you. Let's not let that happen to us. Remember Jesus Christ. But let me ask you, what is it about Jesus Christ that we're to remember if we're to have this kind of hope? Well, there were two things, and you read them both, didn't you? The first thing is this. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. I want to suggest to you what that means is that Jesus Christ is the one who brings life out of death. Does that sound too obvious for you this morning? Jesus Christ is the one who brings life out of your death. Paul understands this very personally. Paul had encountered Jesus risen from the dead bodily in a way that we haven't, but his life was transformed no less than ours can be. He was the great rabbi Saul of Tarsus. That's how they knew him. He was throwing people in jail who walked around talking about the strange Easter resurrection business until one day on the road to Damascus, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, everything that was dead inside of Saul became alive in Paul. It's a whole new identity. Jesus brings him to life. And this is the story that he, he tells wherever he goes. This is good news or his gospel. He, he, he tries to explain this to the church in Corinth when he writes, I, I remind you of the good news that I proclaim, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead. And then he lists a bunch of people that saw him risen from the dead, 500 people, he says. And then last of all, and here's where it's really important to Paul, very personally, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And lest Timothy would think that any failure in his own life would keep this God at a distance, Paul would write to him, I am the chief of all sinners. I got you trumped. But... Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's his mission. You were dead, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he's loved, even us, made us alive, made us alive, made you alive, together with Christ. And friends, this is the good news of Easter, that Jesus brings life out of death. The good news of Easter is that we don't get what we deserve, that we get what we don't deserve. The good news of Easter is that God works best in the graveyards of our impossibilities, where we don't have any answers, where we don't see any future, and where we can't find any life. He works in our dead jobs, in our dead marriages, in our dead health, in our dead dreams. The good news of Easter is that the God of this universe is head over heels in love with people just like us, people who stumble through the doors of this church every Sunday, people who are unable to stop sinning. But by faith, we've discovered that God's grace is greater than any sin. We've discovered that he loves us not as we should be, but as we are, and that nothing we have ever done can stop him from loving us, and that nothing can ever separate us from that love. We're flawed. We don't have to have it all together. The good news of Easter is that we can start again. 
We don't have to live with our past, that God has buried our failure in the depths of the tomb, that at every point today, God is ready to take what is dead and bring it to life with fresh possibilities. Sometimes I get perspective by reading tombstones. I've collected some of these. One of my favorites, from Burlington, Vermont. She lived with her husband 50 years and died in the confident hope of a better life. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Another one from Albany, New York. This is Harry Edsel Smith, 1903 to 1942. Looked up the elevator shaft to see if the car was on the way down. It was. (laughs) Thanks for that information. And then my personal favorite, told you I was sick. Don't you love that? The last word. What feels lifeless in your life this morning? What feels lifeless in your life this morning? Before you are quick to pronounce a post-mortem over your own life, I want you to remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And here's another thing to remember, second thing that Paul writes about. He says, remember Jesus Christ, a descendant of David. If first we were to know that Jesus brings life out of death, now we're to know that Jesus wants to be your friend. That's what I think descendant of David might have meant to Timothy. Because he knew the story of David. He knew that David had an everyday relationship with God. Here, if you've been worshiping with us the last six weeks, we've had a lot of fun studying the life of David, the servant king. We've seen this everyday intimate relationship that David has with our God. David is chosen by God. He knows himself empowered by God and bound to God and defended by God and forgiven by God. And when he needs it, restored by God. See, for David, God was never a theological construct. God was never an abstraction, never a history lesson, never an ethical code, never a set of beliefs, never a religion, never a political platform, but a person. David had very intimate conversations with God. And you know what? We have more words that David spoke in such conversations than we have of any other person in the Bible. It's back and forth. Everyday conversation between David and God. Most of those words are in the book of Psalms where we see that David didn't just have this kind of relationship with God, but he, he drew the whole nation of Israel, all the people of God, even us today, into that same intimate conversation so that we, like David, can talk to a God who loves us, whether we're in joy or in sorrow, whether we experience victory or defeat, whether we have hope or have despair. He wants to talk to you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to know that he loves you today. And I believe he has you here today to hear those words. Easter doesn't invite us to believe a doctrine. Easter invites us to meet this person. Jesus wants to be your friend. You know, the older I get, the more I see that life is really not about the what's and the where's and the when's and the how's. 
But life is about the who's, the who, the people in your life. And most importantly, that one person, Jesus Christ. That one person who said in the first century, but I believe he would say it to you if you were face to face with you right now, no matter what you're going through, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. I may not change your circumstances in the way that you want me to change them, but I can do more than that, and I will walk with you through those circumstances, and I will walk you into new life. So here's a new flight path. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, a descendant of David. Remember that he's the one who brings life out of death. Remember that he's your most trusted and intimate friend. That this is what Paul is saying to Timothy, I think, is proven by the next verse, which we haven't printed for you, but the next verse, Paul essentially says, yes, <laughs> I'm in chains. But, but, but the word of God is not chained. And when the living word, Jesus Christ, steps into your life, Timothy, there's a freedom that death itself cannot take away. This is for the student who's failing in school. This is for the woman who at midlife has lost her job. This is for the man who suddenly learns that his body is riddled with cancer. This is for the teen who's discovered she's pregnant. This is for the couple whose marriage is on the rocks. This is for the senior who's wrestling all alone with depression. This is for the parents who don't know what to do with a child who's abusing drugs. Jesus says, for you, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I'm right here in front of you. And by faith, you've got to see me. You've got to receive this gift. There's a story in the news several years ago about a judge in Eastern Europe who had a, he had a tragedy. He got electrocuted. He was standing in the bathtub, and he reached up for the light switch and died instantly. His wife found him on the floor. And apparently, in this Eastern European town, what they would do is they would take you, uh, when you died, put you in a crypt underneath the graveyard uh, for 24 hours and then come back. Well, in the night, this judge revived. <laughs> and he called out, realizing where he was. And the guard was so terrified, he just took off. He ran away. <laughs> and he came back, but not without a friend. And, and uh, they were convinced that this guy had come back from the dead. And they gave him his clothes, and they took him upstairs. And they said, you want to make a phone call? And he said, yeah, you want to reassure his wife? <laughs> Could hardly get anything out. Uh, he said, darling, it's me. And she dropped to the floor and passed out, <laughs> almost as though she were dead. He went to his neighbors, all of them, convinced that they were seeing a ghost. No one would believe him until he finally called a friend in a distant city who hadn't heard that he died, who could then intercede with him for his family and his neighbors. <laughs> because we all know dead people don't come back to life. Well, Easter's the day. Easter's the day. You get to take that weary old dogma and put it to rest in your life. Got a letter this week from a young man named Alex, 22 years old. Alex has struggled. There's been a cloud of darkness over him and in him for 21 years. 
partying too hard, abusing substances, um, angry. Until diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and suffering several near-death experiences and hospitalizations, out of desperation, he finally allows his parents to pray with him to this Jesus. And unaccountably, he comes to faith in Jesus. Now, it doesn't take away the diabetes, it hasn't yet, but he's got new life in his life. He gave me permission to share some of his words with you, and I want to read a paragraph. Alex writes this, My life has taken some massive twists and turns in the past year, lots of them painful, but all contributing to my character in ways that are very important to me. I have absolutely no doubt that it has been the most important year of my life so far. I've come to find that I was wrong my whole life about Jesus. I didn't find him this year. He found me. I know now that he gives me the peace I always search for. I'm taking a step towards finding out who he is and who I am through him. God is so freaking ridiculously real and alive and personal and absolutely wrecking me, which I think is a good thing. Uh, I don't care how that makes me look. I literally cannot care about how I look when God is so much more important and you're so much more important than my own stupid image of myself. He loves you. And freedom from pain and hatred and being judgmental and passive and all that is so, so available to you. I used to dance and go crazy because for one moment I could be drunk, totally in the moment, and forget how much I hated my life. And now, now I dance around because I freaking love my life. I like that change. And so do I. And that is the good news of Easter. That's what Paul calls my gospel, my good news. And I pray that it wouldn't just be Paul's good news or Timothy's good news or my good news or the church's good news, but your good news, your good news, the good news of your life today. I want to close with the words of the poet George Herbert who called himself to faith and to life in Jesus Christ. This is what he writes. Rise, heart, thy Lord is risen. Sing his praise without delays, who takes thee by the hand that thou likewise with him mayest rise. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have each of us here this morning to meet us, to embrace us lovingly in the darkness of our own tombs and to reach out and take our hands. Take them, we offer them to you. Take them and lead us forth in newness of life. And may we be a people who share that gift with others also this day. In Jesus' name we pray. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. 
To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.